We meet today in Psalm chapter 61 to Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 61 is a cry and confidence of the godly. But the theme throughout this new cluster of Psalms, beginning 61 all the way to 68, is the cry and the confidence of the godly people. As you listen to the pleadings of the godly in these eight Psalms, you will find beautifully described their steadfast confidence in the Lord. And that is a wonderful expectation. You will also see the Lord Jesus in these Psalms as well as derive great help for yourself. Psalm 61 is to the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a Psalm of David. It is a prayer from David's heart. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 61, verse 1 to 2. David says, from the end of the earth I will cry to you. You see, David feels that he is at the end of the earth and God is way off yonder. He is trying to get closer to God. He wants to get to a rock that is higher than he is. The word of God tells us that that rock is Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. And he is a lot higher than I am. And what a picture we have here of the Lord Jesus Christ, a rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower from the enemy. Psalm 61, verse 3. Now, what a comforting picture of God. He is a shelter from the storms. He is a strong tower to protect us from our enemies. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Selah. Psalm 61 verse 4. Once again, the word wings is mentioned in connection with God. The Lord Jesus also used this same illustration when he spoke of gathering Israel to himself as a mother hen gathers her little ones under her wings to protect them. So, protection, protection. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Psalm 61 verse 5. You see, David made vows. He promised God something. Now, we also ask God of things. Did you ever promise him anything? Why don't you promise to do something for him? David did, and God had his vow. What you should just learn to do is when you have made a promise to God, make sure that you complete it. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Psalm 61 verse 6 and 7. Here David goes again to ask for mercy. I believe that the closer we get to God, the more we realize that we can't bring him down to our level, but we will see him higher and lifted up. Then we will be in the same position as Isaiah was when he had a vision of the Lord sitting on the throne. We will recognize our uncleanness and then we will plead for mercy. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. 
Psalm 61, verse 8. Now, make your vows and then get close to God. Sing his praises and he will help you fulfill your vows. Psalm 62 is what has been termed the only psalm. This is called the only psalm, not because there are no other psalms. There are 149 others. But it's called the only psalm because the word only is very significant in this psalm. O-N-L-Y. Truly, maybe better translated only, my soul waits upon God. He only is my rock and my salvation. They only consult to cast him down. Wait only upon the Lord. He only is my rock. Because of the prominence of that word only. That psalm has been termed an only psalm. This is a simple psalm. It is one of simple faith. It reveals a faith and a confidence in God that is akin to a child's faith in his parents. Although the inspired text does not say, tradition tells us that this psalm came from the greatest heartbreak of David's life, the rebellion led by his son Absalom. We turn to the historical record now and read this language. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up, and he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. Second Samuel 15 verse 30. That was a tragic time in the life of David. It was his dramatic moment, his time of crisis. Absalom, David's son, is marching into Jerusalem. His entry is forcing a time of decision. There are some who are choosing David. Others are choosing Absalom. It is a time when David has found who are the loyal and the disloyal in the ranks. The betrayers and the followers are well marked now. An important man is Ahithophel, related by marriage through Bathsheba to David. An astute statesman, a man of sagacity, of wonderful ability, a counselor upon whom David had leaned, Ahithophel has deserted and gone over to Absalom. It was a great grief to David when he found that this trusted man had deserted him. Then Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, came and said that his master, the son of Jonathan, whom David had befriended, had also betrayed him. As David fled from the city, barefooted and weeping, there stood Shemei, a Benjamite, still loyal to former King Saul. Now, from a heart of bitter hatred for David, he threw stones and heaped casings upon the old king as he fled. Now we see Absalom entering Jerusalem in triumph, and the same crowd that once shouted to the rafters for David is now shouting deliriously for Absalom. Centuries later, the children of these people were the ones who shouted, Hosanna to the Lord Jesus Christ, and shortly after cried, Crucify him. David knew the sting of the voice of the mob, 
and Psalm 62 is the song of David in that hour of ignominy. Here we find a man who has committed his way to God, one who is traveling in the spiritual stratosphere, a man who is living above the storms, shocks and distresses of this life. As we read this psalm, which comes from his heart in his hour of darkness, this time of testing, his hour of defeat, we are amazed to find not one note of discouragement, nor suggestion of fear, nor even a word of distress. There is neither a rucker nor bitterness swelling up in the heart of the psalmist. He sings forth a song of salvation, a pine of praise, an opus of optimism. It is a song of sanguinity, a thesis of trust, and a work of wonder. How could David write such a hallelujah chorus out of an experience so dark? Well, that's the test of faith. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Psalm 62 verse 1. No doubt there were those around David, fanatics of those days, who urged that he stands his ground and thereby exhibit his faith, for he was God's anointed and God should overrule this whole matter. Not David. He said that his life was in God's hands and it seemed best that he leave Jerusalem. David lived above the you and the cry of little men. He did not listen to the pious shibboleths. For while little men cried for a miracle, David avoided to walk in the dark, trusting God. Oh, for a faith like that, I pray. A God-given faith, what others called defeat to David, was but a test of his faith. David can retreat from Jerusalem and it is still going to sound like a victory. That is amazing faith. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Psalm 62 verse 2. Zadok the high priest comes out to go with David. He is faithful and has brought the ark, a symbol to the Israelites of God's presence in their midst. And he is following David when the old king turns and seeing the ark, he commands Zadok to carry it back to the city. For, he said, if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. We read that from Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 25 and 26. Now, here is a man so wholly committed to God that he turns aside from any thought of merit in the ark, clinging only to God and saying to Zadok that if it is God's will for him to come back to this city, he will be allowed to come back. If not, then he is in God's hands. This is tremendous faith, my brother. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, O you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. Psalm 62, verse 3. Now here David is thinking of Ziba, 
servant of Mephibosheth, who did a dastardly thing, thinking he would gain favor with David. He said his master had deserted, which was not true. Then he thinks of Ahithophel, his best friend and the wisest of his counselors. Ahithophel went over to the other side in David's darkest hour. Here in this psalm, David is speaking of Ahithophel prophetically as Judas Iscariot. Ahithophel was in the inner circle and was the man that David leaned upon. David says that they are running over him as a mob runs over a fence. But he says it is all right if it is God's will. Tremendous faith. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Now let us understand David's action under the bitter attack of Shimei. While David was on the throne, Shimei bowed like the rest of them. But when he was free to express his heart of hatred, we find him cursing David and throwing rocks after him as he fled from Jerusalem. David had a loyal captain by the name of Abishai, a son of Zerui, who said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. We read that in Second Samuel 16 verse 9. My friend, if you want an example of what the scripture means, by vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Listen to David as he replies to his captain. And the king said, So let him kiss, because the Lord has said to him, Kiss David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? That is Second Samuel 16 verse 10. You see, in other words, David tells him, God has permitted him to curse me. You let him curse me. Have you ever stopped to think, my friend, that God has given you a certain enemy, sometimes for a definite purpose to test you, that you might become a better Christian? Do not become alarmed at the presence of enemies and difficulties that God has permitted to cumber your path. It may be God's plan to just strengthen you. Then his, his faith has been tested. But what is the time of the faith now? When is the time of faith? Is it on, on a sunshiny day when there is not a cloud in your sky? Is it a time when everything is going exactly right with nothing to mar your outlook? Well, David's answer is that the best time to trust the Lord is at the time of crisis, the crisis moment of your life. My soul wait patiently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Psalm 62 verse 5. Now we see this old king going out of Jerusalem. We hear him weeping, but these exterior things fade away when we glimpse the depths of his heart. For he is a man who is committed to God, and he will go with God regardless of what the outcome might be. Other men would have become either bitter, but not David. He is saying something here that is tremendous. My soul wait patiently for God. 
my expectation is from him. Is that the confidence you have in God, my friend? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. You see, the word only continues to appear. That is the central truth of the psalm in this verse. That is the central truth of David's life. That is the dynamo that ran his life. That is the thing that caused him to stand head and shoulders above all the other men on the horizon of history. It has caused him to cast a long shadow down the corridor of time. He only is my rock. Who is your rock, my friend? In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Sila. Psalm 62, verse 7 and verse 8. Now, I'd like you to notice that there is something very personal about this psalm. It's a very personal psalm. Notice that God is my salvation. He is my glory. He is my strength. And he is my refuge. It makes a whole lot difference to say God is a refuge, God is salvation, God is. But when you are now saying he is my, just like David once said, the Lord is my shepherd. Surely, men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high deg degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Psalm 62 verse 9. Now, you see, David has learned that one cannot trust the mob. They are fickle. He has found that men of high degree, such as Ahithophel, are not to be trusted. They cannot be leaned upon. And this is the first thing that a new Christian must actually learn, not to look to men, but to look to God. Many new Christians have become discouraged, disappointed, and disillusioned for they have their eyes set upon men, and when these men fail, they are disappointed. David rested upon a rock that could not be moved. This is why you would hear him saying, lead me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Then he tells us that we cannot trust even in the material things either. Do not trust in oppression nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Psalm 62 verse 10. You see here, he now gives us the conclusion. Why is it that you can trust God? God has spoken once, twice I have heard this. That power belongs to God. Psalm 62 verse 11. That is amazing, my friend. You can trust God because he can do anything that requires power. He has all power and he can do anything he wants to do. Power did not reside in David. He was simply a great king because God made of him a great king. Now he has permitted men to force him to leave Jerusalem. And if it is not God's will that he return, then he will not go back. But he is resigning all. For God alone is the one 
who has all power. Also to you, O Lord, belong mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. Psalm 62, verse 12. Now, my friend, if you have power, you ought to be able to exercise mercy. David is saying that his God who can exercise power is a God who can exercise mercy. To Zadok, he said that he wanted him to take back the mercy city and place it in the temple for he would find mercy with God. God is able. Psalm 63 tells us of the thirsty for the water of life. This psalm is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. This is a special psalm. It is an ointment that is poured out upon all kinds of souls. It is a bandage for bruises. It is a balm to put upon wounds to help them heal. It has been a marvelous psalm for the church. It speaks of the thirst for the water of life. This psalm is the expression of wonderful thoughts. Let's go into it. O oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2. It is faith and faith alone that can speak like this. God, the eternal one, transcends all human thinking. He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is my father. It was he whom David sought. He knew what it was to be thirsty. He had hidden himself in the caves by the Dead Sea, and it is some of the driest places I have ever seen. It is a place where you can get thirsty. David saw thirsted for God. Do you feel that way about him? Do you have a love for him? Or has he become a burden to you? Oh, that we might have a thirsty for God, that we might be longing for God. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Psalm 63, verse 4 and verse 5. David is saying that he would rather have fellowship with God than have a garment dinner, than have just to eat with all sorts of foodstuffs. It's better to have fellowship with God. I'd rather have fellowship with God than go to a banquet. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Psalm 63, verse 6 and verse 7. See, David thought about God. He meditated upon him during the night when he couldn't sleep. My friend, Meditating upon God's goodness is better, is even a lot better than counting sheep. In fact, if you are losing sleep, why don't you meditate on the word of God? Suddenly you find healing and medicine to your soul. This psalm we have seen is a great psalm. 
Remember, it is the psalm of the morning, and it was sung at every service of the early church. Maybe we can't sing it in our day. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you can meditate on these words. You can meditate on them, putting your hope in God. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.